I'm Adam. And I'm Rob. And welcome to a brand new Holodell Media podcast. Yes, we're back. The action is here. We've got so much action. <laughs> God. Are you okay? No. No, I'm not. I've <laughs> overdone it this weekend. I've burned the candle at both ends because of the pubs opening and the, the hill and the sun. The sun shining, I think, is uh, the enemy of all. Yeah, it, it really is. Because I wasn't even out nearly as much as you were, and I'm knackered. Yeah. I feel like I've the I feel like the sun's just seeped into my body. Yeah, oh yeah. Burned me out from the inside. The fact that I have to work tomorrow is giving me the fear. <laughs> Very badly. I'm dreading it. Um, so yeah, I guess that's a good normal bit of life back. Yeah. Uh, for the, just for just the, for to point out, we're recording on Sunday. Yeah. So, Rob... By the time you've heard this, Rob would have gone past the fear and would have been full meltdown by now. Yeah, yeah. Like tomorrow there's going to be a lot of like <laughs> face rubbing and panicking and pacing and fear. <laughs> Lots of uh, pinching of the bridge of your nose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And sighing, yeah. But yeah, here we are, here we are. <laughs> yeah, well it's been a fun weekend. Hopefully this is the start of a, a brand new year. Yes, yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Do you know what I was reading about uh, this weekend? Similar situation, end of a pandemic. Did you hear about the molasses flood of Boston? No. Just a fun aside. They had a big, big tower of molasses, which is like treacle. Right. And it done blew up, didn't it? Oh my God, is it flammable? Uh, I think so. Well, maybe not as molasses. Imagine yeah. just treacle just washing over the street. What a horrible way to go. Yeah. Being enveloped in it like a bee in uh, some sort of goop. But this is the thing, and a fly. part of the reason it existed was because of the start of the Roaring Twenties, when everyone wanted rum. And molasses gets turned into rum. Oh, I see. And also gun powder. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun substance. Did anyone die? Yes. Oh, no. Quite a few. But yeah, it's an interesting topic well worth finding out about. Uh, it's similar to the Great Beer Flood of London. You hear about that? I did not, no. A similar thing. That it's a massive wonderful. tanker that I don't think anyone... I don't think anyone died of that. So you'd have like a kind of one minute window to suck all of that on the floor before it mixed with all the pigeon poo and like <laughs> chewing gum and cigarette ends. Five second rule! <laughs> exactly. And that's a good reason to, another reason to carry around uh, reusable metal straws. You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, not those McDonald's paper straws. Oh, God. Ugh, the horrible. worst thing. Rather just drink it from the cup. So, yes. <laughs> good energy going in. Good energy going in. Um, yes. We should mention uh, that as, as it is Sunday, like in a couple of hours, the Oscars, uh, the, the, the actors are going to start and turning up and they're going to... Oh, are they? I don't know. It's going to be remote. I don't know how they're doing it. Do you know what, Adam? I know nothing about the Oscars. No. At all. This year, I know nothing. I've seen two of the films. Yeah. It just highlights how weird of a year it's been. Mm. I have no idea. I know we're meant to be a movie podcast, but... I'm sorry, guys. It's not. It's just not happening this year. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I can tell you, uh, I have seen Sound of Metal, and Riz Ahmed is up for Best Actor. Um, I can't tell you if he deserves it, because I haven't seen the other performances. He's amazing, and it's absolutely incredible. 
Um, could be a career-defining performance for him. Um, so, yeah, like an amazing film. Like a really poignant, I imagine a very important movie for uh, people who are going into deafness or they're losing their hearing or they've just found out that they're going to lose it. Like it's, um, It could be a very helpful movie, I imagine. Uh, yeah, important, good. Paul Racy is also up for supporting actor in Sound of Metal. Who's that? I imagine it's the, uh, the... I'm thinking it's the deaf guy who, like... Because he in the film, he goes to a rehab clinic for deaf people. Okay. Because um, he used to be a heroin addict. Um, and then there's this guy there who's kind of like the boss and takes him under his wing and tries to show him that, like... They're not trying to cure... They're not interested in curing people with deafness. They're trying to, like, show deaf people that they don't have to be cured. That, right, okay. You know, there's no, there's no need to be cured. They can still have a full, a wonderful, amazing life without their hearing, which is kind of the message of the movie. And, he's yeah, he's absolutely fantastic in it. So I, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get it as well. Oh, if, if it is him, I can't think of any, anyone else it could be. Sound of Metal is all over the place. Film editing? Yeah, very... Oh, it must be up for sound... It must be. Uh, sound as in sound editing or music? Uh, sound editing. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I imagine it'll win that. Like, because what they do with uh, switching between hearing and not hearing and all of, you know, it's, yeah, really, really good. Mm, and also writing. Yeah, so that, if all, if any of them, that's one to watch because that's all over the shop. Yes, yeah, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, obviously, uh, the other person we're aware of as mentioned on this show, uh, where is it? Uh, Maria Baklova. Oh yes, the from Borat. Yes, 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 yes. She's oh. up for best. Uh, that's she's up for supporting role. Yeah, I suppose that makes sense. Yeah, I guess she's. Uh, yeah, but she. I mean, she was something else. She was. Uh, uh, she outshone Borat, which yes. is um, yeah. a very impressive achievement. But funny enough, Sasha Baron Cohen's up for. Oh, Trial of Chicago 7. Yeah, support. Great movie. Again. Really enjoyed that as well. So, yeah. Shaun the Sheep, the movie, Farmageddon. Oh. Didn't, I completely missed on that, but I really wanted <laughs> to see it. Uh, and Soul, which I've reviewed on here, which is pr- pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. But that is the extent of our Oscar knowledge this year, and that is as far <laughs> as we're going to go. <laughs> that's what you're getting. That's it. Um, go, oh, yeah, that's good. Yep, yep. I can confirm that Mortal Kombat is schlock in the best possible way, if you're a Mortal Kombat fan. Because Rob is a dirty pirate. I did a naughty, but I'm going to make it up, and I'm going to watch it at the cinema, or I'm going to buy it next time, but I needed to... I don't think it's even got a release date yet over here. No. Um, Yeah, but that's the thing it should do. If it's coming out in America, people get excited, and then people do these these naughty things. I am ashamed of, but I'm going to pay for it. I'm going to I'm going to make up for that um, transgression. But um, if you are a Mortal Kombat fan, several moments in the film will absolutely delight you. Yeah, very good. Well, before we move on to the rest of the show, our new thing. We discovered because Rob wanted to watch Jurassic Park 3 and skipped over all the rules of the podcast. So, introducing a new thing, a link of five movements between film to film. Yeah. So, obviously, the rules were broken because we had to do uh, Last Crusade last time because it's an Easter movie. So, I'm going to link Last Crusade with today's film. Which we're going to discuss. Okay, oh, right. Okay. Fire away. 
So. <laughs> just so excited. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade stars John Rhys Davis as Salah, who famously played Gimli in Lord of the Rings, but will forever be locked in my head as Professor Maximilian in Sliders, a mid-90s television show that saw a group of people sliding from dimension to dimension through portals looking for a way home. When Grimm was sent home, he tested whether he was back by testing to see if his mum's gate had been oiled or whether it was still a rusty gate. The sound of a rusty gate was said to be how Lister described Chikansky's orgasm sound in Red Dwarf, which starred Danny John Jules as the cat. Danny John Jules also played Barrington in the peerless Maid Marion and Her Merry Men, which was a comedy fantasy retelling of Robin Hood. Robin Hood lived and worked in Sherwood Forest, which in reality was once a royal hunting forest where, among other things, the royal court would hunt the native red deer. Deer are a natural peace-loving animal that represent that all is well in the world especially when fed by giant Austrian men, which is why today we are discussing Commando. Hey, that was fantastic. Very good. <laughs> yes. So yeah. we'll be talking right. about 1985's Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yes. Wow, the arniest of all the Arnie movies. Yes, indeed. But first, a review. Adam's Film Reviews, Clapboard Jungle 2020. Film is storytelling, and we love a good story. Making movies is beautiful. Prepping them, raising the money, selling them is horrible. I wanted to make films since I was very young, but who was I? And what chance do I really have? Okay, here it goes. I grew up dreaming of when I might get the big break. That moment I made a film that would break into the public consciousness in a way that my career would be set. This is the hardest business, all aspects of this. I think a lot of filmmakers think just get the golden ticket and then you're making movies and that's not what it is. I have to prove myself a lot harder. The doors to getting your work seen are wide open now. The ability to make money off your work is what's much more difficult. All these people are working alongside me as a team to recognize one vision that came out of here. I'm doing this. To be successful as a filmmaker, you have to be a masochist. You know, and, and, and luck plays a large part. If you are entering this business in order to be a rich or famous, you're in the wrong place. They always take longer than anyone planned. It's an organic thing, filmmaking, and you, you can't hold on to your original plan too tightly. You can make a wonderful film and never, it never gets seen. You really need people to believe in your project. Time keeps passing and hope keeps going up and down like a roller coaster. Allow me to be a little self-indulgent for a second and talk about one of the most heartbreakingly intimate documentaries on the agonies of trying to work in the film industry. That is... Of course, Clapboard Jungle. Directed by Justin McConnell, the documentary focuses on five years of his life, from 2014 to 2019, after he finished making his third film, Skull World. See, McConnell is a filmmaker, he has it in his blood, and has worked in some way in the film industry since he was a teenager with his first ever camera bought with his own pocket money. 
with his dream set on becoming the next independent cinema superstar like Tarantino, Scorsese, you name it. McConnell goes on to explain that to his disappointment, the world of independent cinema he aspired to is dead, replaced by the mega corporations and old boys club of Hollywood as we know and tolerate to this day. Not that that's stopping McConnell from trying anyway. Right out of the gate, McConnell bears his soul and explains some of the tragedy he's seen in his life. That a death of a good friend led him down a path to, among other things, gain a shocking amount of weight. And that's how we enter the documentary. Watching McConnell slumped up in front of his computer, working on something or another, between agonising phone calls to producers and experts, while explaining what he's trying to do, with occasional cuts to his workout regime and attempts to get back into shape. But intercut with McConnell's efforts to get a film funded, we see a selection of talking heads, some genuinely, truly impressive interviews, all of which are on the Blu-ray bonus features. We hear from the likes of the late great George R. Romero, Tom Savini, Michael Bean, Stephen Kosansky and my hero himself, Lloyd Kaufman, including many, many more. Through these interviews, we hear how each of these legendary filmmakers have worked the system, how they feel about the film industry on a whole and what advice they have for others. But this isn't a documentary about how to break into the industry. If there's one clear, consistent message, it's that the industry is broken. How increasingly difficult it is to break through now that there are so many millions of hours of film being created every day. How even tackling a fairly simple low-budget horror film, it's just not worth the hassle. When you could instead just save up your money and go out and make the film yourself. Not that any of this is enough to put McConnell off the idea. As the film progresses, we see him start to work on a new film, Life Changer, and his attempts to get this project sold and created by flying out to meetings and networking events across the globe, often showing him in direct contradiction to the advice provided by the established filmmakers interviewed. Now, as a filmmaker myself, I can't help but feel this is exactly the type of movie I should have been shown when I studied film at every level, from college to university to muddling around in the murky world of indie film of my own back in the years after. The truth is simple. As the blurb of the film makes clear, if you have a dream, it's going to take work. It isn't enough to be a writer or a director or a producer. You need to be all three and more. You need to know legal jargon, you need to understand money, taxes, locations, people. If you are motivated and invested enough, you might make it. Might. But the lesson I learned from Clapboard Jungle, there are many paths to success, but each and every one of them is liable to collapse under you at any moment. Through blood, sweat, tears and existential life crises, you might like McConnell, find some small sliver of success and be able to run with it. This film is both heartbreaking, dream-crushing and inspiring. And if you have any interest in becoming a filmmaker, this is an earnest account of life in the industry that you can't afford to miss. Clapboard Jungle is available on Blu-ray through Arrow Video and is well worth picking up. 
I think there's a lot of stories out there that haven't had the voice in the past. Film and telling a story reminds us who we are, and that's never going away. Welcome to Fortnite Schmort Night. The new Mortal Kombat movie cut a scene that included the game's well-known toasty gag as an easter egg. What? I know, I know. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Mortal Kombat, and you even said, surely they're going to include the toasty. Tell, talk us through what the toasty easter egg is. Toasty... The toasty easter egg is when you enter a certain cheat code in all of the Mortal Kombat games, from day one, I think. The no, it's from, from the second one, yeah. Where a picture of, I want to say, one of the programmers... Might have been the director. Maybe. Will pop up in the bottom right and go, Toasty! Yeah. Uh, and it just became a thing. And it's what I closely associate with Mortal Kombat. As soon as the movie was announced, I thought, they got to have... Toasty! But the, the, the thing is, where they were going to put it was perfect and i don't know why to cut it so uh screenwriter greg russo said i worked really hard to get the line toasty in there <laughs> it had a spot in the story that didn't feel cringe like it worked but it was edited out lu kang said it after somebody was eviscerated <laughs> so and that's that's someone's gonna have to be burned alive again in like the second one was that someone was it just saying Ooh, toasty. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yeah. They've got plenty of time. I mean, the guy who plays Sub-Zero, is, his contract is down for four more movies. Four? Oh, God. Yeah, which is which is definitely too much. <laughs> well, that's the feedback I got from another Filthy Pirate, uh, is that it's a very good first film, mm. and it does have scope to carry on. Yeah. So hopefully it will come back, like the games, Mortal Kombat 2, yeah, we'll that's start a, a trend. perfect way to introduce it. Um, I think the series will be great to have three, and I don't think they need it. That to, for five is is too much. Oh yeah, we're in a world though where yeah. the first two could be cinema releases, and that's ten. Yeah, straight to Netflix or whatever. True, true. Um, moving on, Lionsgate is considering a Saw TV series. So. Um, Lionsgate television chairman Kevin Beggs recently acknowledged the likely possibility of a TV adaption of the horror film franchise Saw. According to Deadline, Beggs said, We're always exploring what we can do in television with something like the Saw franchise. So that's a conversation. Um, it's going to be an adaption of the Book of Saw from Mark Berg and Orin Kuhls. Um co-runners of Twisted Pictures and producers of the film franchise. Um, and you told me there's an American Psycho movie in the works as well. Uh, Series, series yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know whether they're done by the same people. I think... Okay, so the Scream TV series was the biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe Saw, the, like, to have that kind of detective mystery element might... Um... The, the thing with Saw is surely it's uh, it's one event at a time, which is why it works to have individual films. Yeah. Unless all the events happen like if it's a police procedural kind of thing mm. and while like it keeps happening yeah I don't know it just seems a bit weird American Psycho could I don't know why that isn't already a TV series if that you, could go on forever yeah so you'd have to have I mean Christian Bale's character um, what was his name Bateman uh, yeah yeah Patrick Bateman uh, so he'd have to very much be a protagonist. If you're watching an entire series, you're going to have to like him and kind of root for him, I guess. Like, 
Or, like, is it going to be more of a Breaking Bad thing where you realise how awful he is as he goes on? Well, if you did it like Mad Men... Yeah. Where he's just a guy trying to get through business deals Mm. and then murder... I mean, American Psycho is a weird film anyway because you do sort of root for him. Yeah. You do sort of... I don't know whether this is... You root for him for his flaws, don't you? When he gets frustrated and angry that he's been outdone by the credit card. Yeah. Like that, you're kind of like... Also, the tone's very... He's not like a scary villain. He's quite funny. Yeah, and, and often quite pathetic. Like when he's in the mirror flexing while with a young lady. <laughs> yeah. I just remember being finding that really funny. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I don't know. Like, um, I think yeah, he's something that could potentially work. Um, who do you reckon? Who should you? Who do you want to play an American Psycho? Oh, God, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> that could be interesting. Yeah, or maybe I think maybe you need someone a bit younger now, maybe. Because so, it'd have to be like an or- more of an origin thing of his. Uh, if they're spreading out over a series, I guess they have to tell the whole story in more depth. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, who's uh, Tom Holland might be quite interesting John Ham. John Hamm I think a lot of women would pay a lot of money <laughs> to see him running around naked with a chainsaw can you imagine that he would be brilliant maybe yeah. maybe he's a bit old now yeah oh man like younger John Hamm running, yeah doing oh god or, or would you go for more like uh, sort of male model style like the lead in the guest that guy yeah oh he'd be fantastic you know someone like that where it's just a, a just a genuinely really attractive man yeah yeah it's interesting i i think i'd be more excited about the american psycho than the saw one i just feel like that would work more. yeah 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 definitely but you know i think that potentially both good so yeah that's interesting um so yeah you were telling me about this but i thought it was really cool um cannibal holocaust was meant to have a piranha torture scene it involved the tribesmen's uh, like tying one of their guys to a log and dipping them into a piranha-infested river. And when he emerges, the piranhas had almost completely scoffed his legs. And uh, apparently they rehearsed this scene. One witness said uh, they actually filmed it, um, but didn't make its way into the final cut. Yeah, apparently this is a big mystery because there's one shot of it which just floated around for years and everyone's like, oh, that's just from the rehearsal. But now people are saying, no, no, we we filmed it. Mm. Like it, did it go missing? It's possible though in those days. Yeah, because everyone's really confused why it was edited out because it was a really good effect. Yeah, maybe it's left on a cutting room floor and forgotten about, or yeah. Cannibal Holocaust is a film that I, I'm not sure I ever want to watch again. But part of me, I, I tell, part of me is curious. I tell you the truth. I think I was off when the, it was put on at college, and I started watching it about two years ago. And I got into the, the second animal death, and I, I noped out. That I is that is the the worst stuff. Is the animal stuff? Yeah. yeah. There was another. There was like this f- famous German. Uh, necrophiliac movie like it's a, it's apparently a must watch if you're like a cult horror fan and uh, at the start of that like they just p- p- stabbing a knife into like a rat's Ugh. body which is alive and it's squealing and I was like what why yeah. just don't have that show me the dead body which has been chopped in half like that's fine that's fake like I know that's fake but don't actually kill an animal well the thing with Cannibal Holocaust is people didn't think it was fake people thought it was a real snuff film at some point yeah they did didn't they yeah and i think that's how it was introduced to me actually i think people were saying this might be real like, yeah. what 
awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But, you know, Cannibal Holocaust always fills me with, uh, with bad feelings. Yes, <laughs> it's yes. Regardless. Um, so this is, this is quite awesome news. So Pixar is are casting for its first trans character. The casting notice for the not-yet-disclosed Pixar project calls for a voice actress who can authentically portray a 14-year-old transgender girl. Casting search went as follows. Pixar is casting a youth voiceover role for uh, an upcoming animated project. The the character Jess is a 14-year-old transgender girl. She's compassionate, funny, and always has your back. So, yeah, I thought that's um, a good sign of the times. Mm, Is it, though? Why aren't they just casting a 14-year-old trans girl? Oh, as in, yeah, why are they asking for an actress? Yeah. Well, I suppose the debate against that is... Why shouldn't a girl play a transgender girl? Oh, but then there's the whole thing. Why shouldn't a... A white man play a black man? Yeah, or why shouldn't someone who could walk play someone who's in a wheelchair? Like, Yeah. Because people who have wheelchairs do act. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Why Why wouldn't they? I mean, I'm, I'm, there's a lot of transgender girls out there. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, asked? it's weird, isn't it? I imagine a lot of transgender act- actors out there, so... Yeah, it's a... or even just an opportunity to break into the like. You don't have to be fourteen, even actresses. What into their thirties? You can play. It is like, ch- children. They, I mean, they have started doing this kind of like with. Uh, I think the last dragon that just came out, the last Pixar movie. I think one of the leads was um, a transgender woman, um, which was cool. But yeah, now that you've said that, yeah, why aren't they asking for a for a transgender girl? Yeah, no. Last time I reviewed a film called Run, which stars is the first time they've starred an actor in a wheelchair who's actually in a wheelchair really since like since 1948 what yep in a hollywood film paraphrase i'm sure independent films have done it but yeah no it's uh run is a very good film and it sort of that is quite an important reason to watch it i think to support it that's really bad isn't it god it's shocking Yeah. yeah But anyway. Yeah, well, you know. So concludes Fortnite Schmortnite. They hunted him down. You know, Colonel, we went to a lot of trouble to find you. They murdered his friends. And they took the only thing he would kill for. If you want your kid back, then you gotta cooperate. Right? Wrong. Now, somewhere... Somehow, someone's gonna pay. Do you think that he's going to give us any problems? You'll do exactly as he's told. Last the way, good fellas. You're a funny guy, Sally. That's why I'm going to kill you last. Are you gonna tell me what's going on or what? No. Hey, Adam. Yes? Do you know uh, how much stuff Arnie ate back in his prime? He ate five to six small meals a day and protein shakes and vitamins and minerals. Put it all together, 3,825 calories a day. That's a lot. That is a lot. It's like you're getting a Chinese takeaway, isn't it? It's like my normal Chinese takeaway, yeah. 70 pounds worth yeah well you have to you have to they put stuff in chinese that makes you always hungry so you just have to keep eating until you're sick (laughs) very good well good so that piece of trivia of course inspired by the fact 
We watch Commando. The freaking arniest thing since Arnold's bread. It was crazy. 1985, directed by Mark L. Lester. This is a ridiculous film. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely... I mean, the, the first... Three minutes, the first three scenes is just people getting killed. Yeah, it's great. And I was laughing. I haven't seen this movie. I haven't seen this movie since I was a teenager. And and uh, I, I don't know when a guy in the shop gets hit by the car, he's like, I especially like the price. You're already in the no time at all. There's dumb, <laughs> dumb lines. People getting murdered and blown up. And oh yeah, it's just what commando? Crazy. So. Obviously, it's famous for being an Arnie film. It's famous for being mid-80s action schlock. But what it is, really, is a B-movie with excellent casting. Yeah. It's it's exactly like your blood debts, your exterminators. It's the kind of stuff that they watch on Best of the Worst. But it's something else in its own bubble. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's the good version of all of them put together. Yeah, totally. I mean, like, it's definitely, uh, like, in, in terms of the actual practical action, like, it doesn't hold, like, a candle technically to the likes of Terminator and other stuff, but... It... Oh, I don't know. There's there's some great blood effects. Mm, yeah, yeah. Pirouetting soldiers, and uh, it's just... It's just very hammy, isn't it? It's oh, oh very... yeah. It might be one of the campiest action movies. People accuse like Predator of being a bit campy. Oh, Lots of muscular men holding each other and tensing their biceps. I'm... But this is another level. Oh, it's another level. Especially when he gets off the plane and he's on the beach and he's just wearing those big pants <laughs> and nothing else. And he kind of does a, a, a Mr. Universe pose as he's getting ready. Oh, yeah. To show off all of his beautiful... Oh, that's one of the most referenced... Assembling the guns and getting ready. Yeah. That's in space. That's in worms. Like, that is one of the most famous moments ever. Um, also, on rewatching it, there seems to be a lot of influence in Peter Jackson's bad taste. Yeah. I said this to you, like the whole final sequence happens almost shot for shot in bad taste. They're running around a sort of massive garden, blowing things up, just enemies just coming one at a time, all like at once but all dying at the same yeah. time. There was a yeah, there was an understanding that if you just keep feeding the action, um okay, <laughs> it's been two seconds since people flew through the air. We need to but even the scene when else. he ends up in a shed, he goes in a potting shed and attacks someone with a with a garden fork. In bad taste, he does that, but he gets snagged on something, so he doesn't quite get out the door. Do you know what? The amount of films, Charlie's Angels is another one, where they're in the vehicle, the henchmen come, and they shoot like, most of it, and they leave a gap. I feel like now, if I wanted to kind of earn some money or get like switch careers and become an evil henchman... I think I'd kill him. I think I'd be like, right, everyone, right, you shoot down to the bottom. I'm gonna try the roof. Yeah, like they always, they always survive. How rubbish can you be? Well, it's it. I mean, it's ludicrous at some point. It's like Hot Shots Part Two when they do that. It's, yeah. it's more of a Rambo Predator spoof, but it's the same thing. Mm. You might as well just pick up bullets and throw them. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's it it it's it's good, solid, honest fun. Hmm. But let's uh, let's go into what actually happens, shall we? So, uh, as mentioned in the intro, there's one of the weirdest sequences 
Because this is quite relatively early in, in Arnold Schwarzenegger's career. He has done Terminator at this point. So he's relatively well known. He's also done uh, Conan. Um, but it introduces, after the initial bloodbath, couple of scenes which are set up as a mystery we cut to arnie in the woods Mm. he's chopping wood oh he's he's holding a chainsaw he's topless and he's walking around and he's doing manly things he's carrying a tree he's carrying a (laughs) literal whole tree and he's not even batting an eyelid about it uh and then there's sinister music as a shadow creeps up on him and he turns around and it's a little girl. Uh, and the music changes. He's a loving father. He's a loving, he's a very strong and powerful, shiny man, but he's a good daddy. It's very weird. Like, they're doing, they're eating ice cream, they're feeding the deer, they're having a wonderful time. But the music is like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it needs bloody Herman's Hermits on it. It needs to up this morning. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's how we're introduced to to uh, John, John Matrix. John Matrix. He uh, is a former Special Forces commando who has retired into the woods mm. with a little girl. It's never explicitly said that she is his daughter. No. Do you know what I didn't get? It, you know, it doesn't say that, did it? And, and I didn't understand, and I don't know if I like missed the plot point. So you, all the other people who were killed before were like the, in his special forces unit, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, so he had... Uh, the, what, the way I read it was he had like a black ops unit. Mm. And they obviously all got retired with full pay. and They went off for their new lives, retired with full pay. Yeah, so you have one guy who just lives in a big house yeah. with his wife who wears makeup in bed. Uh, don't know if you noticed that she woke up perfectly, mate. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, then he got one guy who's a car salesman, living the dream. Clearly, yeah. uh, what's was anyone else? Uh, there was just the boat scene with. Uh, oh, that was a bit weird. It was on the boat. Yeah, but he did but they the boat f- was blown up. But was that uh, fake his death? Fake or? his death. Yes, that might make sense. But why? So the special forces wouldn't suspect him. But and then. Uh, but what the the whole thing that confused me is why did that happen? Like that has nothing to do with John Matrix's daughter getting kidnapped so he can go and kill the president of this country. Okay, yeah. So that's like, the ne- that that's happen? the next step. So these people are dying. Um, is it Colonel Je- Major General Kirby, who's clearly uh, Arnie's uh, John Matrix's uh, superior, turns up at the forest to say. John, your men are being killed. We need you to work out. No, it's not even that, is it? It's there's some bad guys around. Just be careful. Yeah, don't. Yeah. We're going to protect you and all this. And then, of course, they turn up yeah. and they kidnap the daughter. And the whole, the whole thing is that they're using her to get leverage on John, so he will go and do an assassination for them. However, the henchmen, uh, the two people that turn up and kill the two guys that's meant to be protecting Arnie. Um, they try to kill Arnie. So, like, what's the freaking strategy here? If, if they were shooting at Arnie, they were trying to kill him when he ran back into the house. And then afterwards, they're like, oh, no, we don't want to kill you. We want to send you on a mission. Well, okay, so the, the baddies are led by Bennett, played by Vernon Wells, mm. Wes off a Mad Max 2, uh, who is one of the campus baddies. So campus. Mm, Matrix. Um, 
he it, throughout the film, whenever he talks to the main baddie, some South American wannabe dictator, uh, every time he talks to him about Matrix, he says how good he is. So I think he probably knew that they wouldn't kill him. Right. Because Bennett is also one of these black ops guys. Mm. Uh, he knows how deadly he is. So they take out the guards that Kirby leaves with them, but knows that Matrix will live. Yeah. Might not have told the other baddies, because they didn't kill him. So he, there's a big chase. Uh, Matrix is, is chasing down the, the baddies as they try and drive off with his daughter, Jenny. Uh, but then... He sort of catches up with them, but they don't kill him then. They just knock him out. Oh, yeah. They just knock him out. So I think maybe was was the idea that they were going to get Jenny and then come back for him? I don't know. It's, it is a bit weird. It's poorly planned. But, um, I, but the whole Arnie realising they've cut the power to his car and him pushing it down the hill. <laughs> it's so... It's almost James Bond-esque, isn't it? Improvised. Yeah. It's very, very cool. I, I really like that scene. Although, i tell you what's quite interesting with that is he, like, this is what I kind of like about 80s action stuff, is he's got no power in his car, he literally pushes it down the hill, jumps in and rolls down. He's not having a good time doing that. No. He's being bounced about and, and the car, it doesn't even do what he wants to do. He crashes the car and he just gets out before it explodes. Like, it's one of those things like, like Indiana Jones, everything he's doing at this point is failing at the same time. Yeah. Which is nice. Because that's how he ends up in the employ of these bad guys. They say that if he doesn't go and assassinate this guy, uh, they'll send Jenny back a piece at a time. Mm. Uh, so he's got no choice. He has to go with it. Uh, and so they, they, they've they hatched a plan. So they're going to put him on a plane and take him to the South American country. Yeah, 11-hour flight. He's been chaperoned by a nasty henchman who's uh, going to ensure that he gets to where he's meant to be and carry out the dirty deed of killing um, the president of this country so this nasty dictator can overthrow. Yes. So, yeah, he's chaperoned by one guy who's going to go on the plane with him and Sully, a sort of wise-cracking Ledger Suit Larry guy. He's in Twin Peaks. I never... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, He he hated the film. (laughs) The actor. He called it hot trash or something. Uh... So, yeah, so the idea was Sully will take him to the plane and this other guy will be on the plane. Mm. They'll arrive, they'll be picked up by someone else and they'll, he'll be sent off to, to do the deed. Uh, but, of course, he gets on the plane and immediately he's in action mode. Straight away. He's watching the door shut. Miss, can I have a blanket and a pillow? Yes, of course. Breaks the guy's neck. <laughs> elbows him in the yeah. face, snaps his neck. And then we get our first one-liner from Arnie. Shortly after that, we'll be showing our feature film. Your flight attendants are Susan and Lance, and I'm Vicky. We're here to make your trip as comfortable as possible. Thank you, and have a safe and enjoyable flight. Excuse me, how long is the flight? We land in Valverde in exactly 11 hours. Thank you, and do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. <laughs> what I find funny is the cut was so quick. It's like they were a bit embarrassed of it. Oh, God, let's move on. They were terrible air stewardesses. Like, if uh, so, there's a giant, giant man who's got on the plane. He gets up when he's not supposed to, and then he disappears for the rest of the yeah. Hour yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't the got? plane turn around? Like, we've lost a giant, <laughs> suspicious man. Yeah, and the and the other guy's dead. And the other guy's dead. Yeah, but he. Uh, so he does that, and then he immediately escapes the plane in one of the most re- sort of. 
believable but ridiculous sequences. Yeah, he just literally like stumbles his way through the core of the plane. He just walks through, yeah. opens the hatch, gets on the wheel, <laughs> and then <laughs> drops off into a swamp. Yeah, and then immediately he just gets up. He's back in mission mode. Off he goes. He's set. He sets his clock. Yeah. Eleven hours. Beep. Beep. Every second beeps really annoyingly. <laughs> uh, he's got 11 hours to do something. I think at this point he's improvising. Mm. So the first thing he does is he runs back into the airport to catch Sully. And Sully is harassing a young woman. Yeah, hor- horribly harassing her. Cindy. Woman. Uh, uh, she manages to get away just. But John sees it, tears out Cindy's car, traumatising this young woman. Uh, tears out a chair in the car, gets in and makes her follow him. Uh, hunting down Sully. They go into a shopping mall where Arnie beats the crap out of every security guard there. Yeah, really badly. Really quite like <laughs> life-changing injuries inflicted. And then, yeah, the, the chase continues. They're going after after Sully in the in the car. There's still one of the, be- one of the best before and after kill lines. Have you seen those compilations on YouTube where it's a hundred of the best before the kill one-liners? And 100 of the best after the kill one-liners. Commando features heavily. <laughs> <laughs> That's little surprise. It's when he's got Sully. I have to remind you, Sully. <laughs> this is my weak arm. Ah, you can't kill me, Matrix. You need me to find your daughter. Where is she? I don't know. But cook those. I'll take you where I'm supposed to meet her. But you won't. Uh, why not? Because I already know. <laughs> Remember, Sally, when I promised to kill you last? That's right, Matrix. You did. I lied. What'd you do with Sally? I let him go. Dangle him over a, a cliff. Which you said, this is the nightmare of the production. The director wanted Arnie to literally be holding him by the ankle off a cliff. Yeah, this is meant to, like, so... You're tr- you're trusting. Fair fair enough. He's a very strong man, but you're trusting him to dangle an actor off a cliff where the fool would kill him. Very much so. Arnie said, "Are you crazy?" <laughs> and um, eventually, they got a crane. You know, it's putting a. You know, if someone asked me to do that, and I was even if I was as strong as Arnie, I'd be like, "Well, no." Well, that's the thing. This film, the more you read into it, um, the more of a B movie it is. They couldn't. They couldn't find a stunt double that looked anything like Arnie, so they just made him do the stunts. He went to hospital repeatedly, apparently. That's crazy that went on, because I imagine at the time, he was probably the biggest actor in the world. Well... Or coming up to it. He's definitely coming up to it. This is after Terminator and Conan, like I say. Uh, I don't think he was big, big. Because I think that came around Terminator 2. Do you reckon... I think uh, so. Yeah, maybe this was one of the films that properly cemented Yeah, him. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Terminator happened. Wow, this guy's <laughs> cool. And obviously Conan and then yeah, this. And then Terminator, by Terminator, it's like, wow. Although this was this was, this was was acclaimed. I mean, it it only lost out on Special Effects Award because Back to the Future got it. Yeah, which was, you know, Back to the Future. Exactly. But it's... Uh, I mean, the budget was $9 million And I know for a fact Arnie got 1.5 of that. Wow. So that says something about how big of a draw he was. But yeah, so uh, Arnie takes out Sully and uses that information to get to the next step. The first, most of the first part of the film is him just working out where they've gone. 
Mm. And luckily, Cindy, you know, he sort of stumbled on. It's very coincidental. Happens to be a pilot, which I think is forgivable because she was in uniform at an airport. She was an airport. She was a stewardess. Yeah. It was only significant moments before all hell literally breaks loose. There's, yes, there's that fight in the motel where they go through every wall. Yeah, and then he like spikes <laughs> him. He impales him on a... Sp- yeah. I like, think there's not enough of that. The, the Punisher film had that when they went through all the walls of the apartment block. It's very fun when that happens in Matrix. There's a lot of smashing through walls. And Batman vs. Superman, that was the best bit, yeah. More of that, please. More of that, please. More of that, indeed. John Wick sort of did it with all the mirrors. That was one of my favourite, all the glass. What was your uh, favourite death? Well, I mean, Sully is, is uh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. Is that scream? Yeah, when we get to the island mm. is when it really kicks oh, off. Yeah. Bennett and evil American, South American man have Jenny in a, in a room. Didn't even give her a bed. Yeah, poor Jenny. Uh, and they're waiting to hear news about the assassination that happens. But instead... Arnie's tracked them down. And just in the nick of time, because this is there's a whole ticking clock thing. This film is great because you go you go back to the plane landing, and uh, there's two evil oh, yes. henchmen, and then the, the body bags brought out, and they, they sneak through and they they poke under the body bag, see it's the henchman that Arnie's killed, and then they're like, they're, okay, we need to contact the baddies and tell them they can kill Arnie's daughter now because mm-hmm. he's betrayed them. But Arnie's rocking up the beach. He's got his grenades and his guns and everything. Yeah, he lands on the beach with multiple guns, all the grenades you have in our Rocket ask for. launcher. I think just as they find out that it's gone wrong, the baddies, that's when the first barracks explodes. Mm. He sets up all the mines and just suddenly these explosions with dozens of people on camera blowing up like dummies. You can see that they're dummies because yeah. uh, they decided they wanted to actually have people blow up in the background nice uh not just extras flying forward um and just it's hard to describe just how much of a bloodbath oh it's crazy it is it's crazy because i mean it starts obviously there's the dummies blown up and then there's silly the silly standard of a grenade explosion happens and two people leap through the air quite comically and then two two guys see him and he flings knives out yeah kills them both and it's up in a bit and then it gets to the shed and he finds these two circular saw things frisbee's one guy and scalps him and that was like yeah that probably and the um the had the arm gets chopped off and um we're talking about it before like uh he was meant to take the arm and then turn to the guy and say, let me give you a hand and uh, smack him in the face with that severed <laughs> arm. But, but they said that was too macabre and cut it. Um, and they left the freaking, the scalping. Yeah. Which was much more horrible, I thought. I, yeah, because it's really visceral. You do see it. Yeah. Like, um, it's, uh, and that's when he gets his machine gun and that's where we get the glory shots. Of him just walking up and down, not even in cover, just going <laughs> with close-ups of his his <laughs> close of his like his biceps, his naked chest, just wobbling to the shake of the, its glorious, its camp, oh, it's, it's sweaty wonderful. man. It's uh, yeah, like I say, this is the moment where it feels like a B movie, where it's just a bunch of guys in a garden. Just endlessly murdering each other. It's definitely like a, 
I must be rivaling like some of the older Bond movies in terms of you should have been shot by now. Why haven't you been shot yet? Because he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. He can smell people coming. Yeah. Stay downwind. I smelled them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a point where. Oh, the, yeah. So the, uh, the 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 disarming scene. That there's a thing with old B movies. Um, two ways of like famously making your film appear higher budget is one is to set someone alight, right. which is why you always see that in like Samurai Cop when you've got the actors literally putting him out on film. Um, samurai like burning people alive, cutting limbs off, and cutting heads off. These are the sort of shorthand ways of making your film look better than it is. Oh, and blowing up old cars. Yeah. You see an old car in a crappy low-budget film. You know, that's blown up. That's going to blow up at any minute. Like elves. <laughs> but yes, it's uh, it, it's got all of these cliches and hallmarks. Um, but of course, like these cliches, Arnie is untouchable. Matrix mm. is bulletproof. Mm. Until he meets the baddie. Eventually he catches up with Bennett. And they have a very silly fight. They have a very silly fight. But this is the first time that we see Matrix get hurt. Mm. Uh, Because Bennett, like Matrix, they are highly trained murderers. Yeah, top of the range kind of mercenary. So there's this bizarre scene where Bennett's got Jenny... Got Jenny holding her with a gun to her head. Like, you know, can't do anything now. And Matrix throws down the gauntlet and sort of says, You don't need a gun. Hand to hand, and he and he takes him up on it. Why would you do that? Have you seen him? Uh, yeah, it was his <laughs> just whole... shoot him. Obviously, uh, Matrix is living rent free inside his head, and he wants to. It's very important to me proving himself. But I don't know, man. I, I I feel like just shoot him. I feel definitely just just take it. Just I just know that he's better than you and kill him. Yeah. Come on, man. Look at the size of him. He, he's a monster of a man. It's ridiculous that anyone would try and go hand in hand, but he does well. Yeah, that's right. They're, um, they're fighting over... A, I mean, where are they? What the is that room? boiler maintenance room that just is in stuff. It's just got a furnace. It's like you've gone into Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I was gone literally into about to say Nightmare on Elm Freddy Street. Freddy Krueger's nightmare. Um, but yeah, so... Then, of course, there's the greatest line, kill line, ever, ever recorded. John, I'm not going to shoot you between the eyes. I'm going to shoot you between the balls. Let off some steam, Bennett. So, yes, Commando. You haven't seen it since you were a teenager. What do you think now? Uh, yeah, I loved it. Really enjoyable, really fun. Um, heavily recommend it. Great, great film. Do you know what's great about these old, older films? Is they are so short. Yeah. 90 minutes. Get in, get out. Everything, everything happens. Yeah, no, I completely agree. If this was made now, it'd be four hours long. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the... The attention span can go sometimes when they make these kind of movies now. But this is, it just gives you exactly what you need from it. And then, yeah. They just, and it just ends. It just ends. That's the thing as well. They, uh, everyone's dead. Uh, and then they go home. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no debrief or anything. Should be more. Should be more films like that. Uh, yeah, no. So that's definitely, a, that's a plus, I think. 
Um, this was really successful. Music by James Horner. Um, yeah, I, I think Commando is one of the more enjoyable and less talked about Arnie films. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And the fact it's on Disney Plus means all of you at home can go and watch it and revel in the blood-soaked slow-motion garbage. <laughs> Going in a Hall of Fame? I think so. Yeah, let's shove it in there. There should be more films. Do you know what would be awesome? Just to get a compilation of slow of all the slow-mo kills in 80s action films. Oh, yeah. When it just slows down, they just pick a random extra. Just go... <laughs> <laughs> There's no one like Arnie now, is there? Like, I, I think when uh, Jason Momoa first came out as like Kyle Drogo in Game of Thrones, mm. obviously now he's Aquaman. I think people... like I thought he was the new Arnie. I thought, look at the size of this guy. <clears throat> but it's, he's, just not the, he's just not Arnie. The only, There's no Arnie, is there? The only person comparable, but it might be more of a Stallone, is Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. Did you see Extraction? Uh, no. If you compare Extraction to Commando, there is, I mean, vague similarities, but it's much more real. In the, it, it, Despite the fact he's just murdering everyone. Mm. Um, but it feels more sort of real. John Wick. The Rock, but I guess he's a bit too... Well, he's more goofy. More he's, goofy, yeah. The Rock's kind of jumped to Arnie's later yeah. career, didn't he? I suppose the only real, I mean, the real one-for-one comparison with Commando is Taken. Yeah. So it's Liam Neeson, Arnie. Mm. Yeah. I think what we need, yeah, what we learn from this is we need another complete tank to yeah. come into Hollywood. We're, we're, we're gagging for a new one. What about Dave uh, Bowister? Yeah, he's good. He's sort of, but yeah, he's more rock than Arnie. Yeah, well, who knows? Who knows? This is a a wonderful film full of nonsense. Um, Go and watch it. Go and watch it, yes. Adam's Film Review, Stowaway 2021. Directed by Joe Penner, with an additional writing credit for Ryan Morrison. Starway is a sci-fi thriller now available on Netflix and is, as of writing, the most popular film streaming on Netflix in the UK. 
starring Tony Collette as Marina Barnett, the ship's commander, Anna Kendrick as Zoe Levinson, medical researcher, Daniel Day Kim as David Kim, biologist, and, well, we'll get to the next one. Set in the near future, Stowaway opens with the launch of a spaceship into Earth's orbit. Unusually, the film focuses solely on the ship's crew. We don't even see an establishing shot of the ship reaching space, where you would expect the action to cut away to a CGI beauty shot of the craft tearing out of the atmosphere. We instead watch as Zoe and David stare out of the window, or at Marina focusing on the controls at the helm. This focus continues as the ship attaches itself to a larger vessel, with only the briefest of establishing shot showing the crew docking with the main craft. As Zoe and David unpack and prepare their equipment, we watch as Marina contacts ground control, again with our focus solely on the crew. We don't even get to hear what's being said to them. So far, so interesting. We discover through dialogue that the crew are setting off on a two-year mission to Mars, where David intends to investigate the growth and cultivation of algae and uh, uh, cress, possibly? Zoe's there too, and a marina is essentially the pilot and captain designated to ensure the crew get there safely. At first this seems simple enough, until Marina notices a drop of blood on the deck of the ship. She opens a panel above to find Michael Adams, played by Shamia Anderson, an engineer from the base who has wound up stuck inside the ship, unconscious and badly wounded. Thanks to Zoe's medical knowledge, Michael is swiftly taken to the ship's infirmary and stitched up, only for him to completely freak out the moment he discovers he's no longer on Earth. The crew, particularly Zoe, warm to Michael and do their best to welcome him aboard. Unfortunately, the ship is travelling at such a speed that they're unable to just turn around and drop him off, so Michael is in for the long haul. The trouble is, the ship is only really built for free. And soon, an incredibly valuable piece of equipment breaks, and things start to get a little worrying. Honestly, this gizmo is so incredibly valuable, you would think there would be at least one spare on board, but whatevs. I guess weight is a problem. But seriously, you wouldn't pack two carbon dioxide scrubbers? Anyway, on a ship built for two, retrofitted to include a third, with four oxygen-breathing crew on board, something's gotta give. The question is, who and how? When dealing with pseudo-contemporary, pseudo-realistic sci-fi films, I find there's often a checklist that comes with it. In the case of Stowaway, well, let's see. So, a crew made up of multiple nations, check. Uh, long, wistful staring out of windows at Earth or other planets, check. Uh, a spacewalk, check. Things flying at the crew during said spacewalk, check. Oxygen problems, check. And a moral dilemma involving crew welfare, double check and mate. Now, Starway looks fantastic. The performances are fantastic. Tony Collette is impeccably cast in this film. They... They all are, to tell you the truth. I'm also willing to believe a lot of the science involved in Stowaway probably has a lot of theory behind it, particularly the method of creating artificial gravity on board the ship. The only problem is, for a two-hour film, nothing happens. I mean, yeah, one thing happens and it's pretty massive, and then a second thing happens to try and solve the first thing, but man alive, films like... Sunshine, 
include the whole plot of this film as the C story plot, not even the A or B story. Now, Starway is worthy enough to include on your watch list if you're into contemporary-ish science fiction, but I feel there is a pacing issue here. But I am happy enough to admit that I did enjoy the ride regardless. One thing that sets it above other similar films of late, though, is nothing about Sturway felt smug. It didn't even feel like it was gazing at its own navel. It's a straightforward drama that gets in, gets out, and you can't say fairer than that. Check it out on Netflix if you're into your hard sci-fi, but if you want something more exciting, I would highly recommend checking out Sunshine, now streaming on Disney Plus. This is hopeless. What is that? There's no way for all of us to survive. It's imperative that we try. Well, that's the end of the show. The end of the show. Yes. Just a short one this week. But, you know, there's nothing going on. It's not like there's any award shows going on or anything. Yeah. So, so it's all good. We're going to keep things short and sweet. Um, yeah, until next time. Yes, indeed. So do follow us on the social medias, at Hollowdale Media on Twitter and Instagram. Um, do also look us up on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Media, where we've got loads of stuff going on. Yeah. We've got... We got night shifts on the off weeks of the main podcast. We got weekly spooky tales with me. Uh, we've got behind the scenes things going on. We've got we have been shooting again, filming. Yeah. So if you want to find out about more of what we're doing before we officially release and announce it, uh, then do check us out over there. Don't cost nothing. Yeah, two dollars a month. What's that? That's like four penny sweets. Easy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay us, pay us money. Just all of your money do does go. Uh, all of your money does go to support our projects, and there's a lot to get on with now that the world is sunny and nice again. Yes, 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 yes. Many good things to come. Um, so, yeah. Cool. Well, yes. So thank you so much for listening, uh, and uh, to all of you at home, let off some steam, Bennett. Bennett. I thought you were dead. Bye. Bye.